All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers, what the fuckstables, what the fuckadelics, what the fuckalepaguses, what the fuckids? It's me, Mark Marin. This is WTF. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Today on the show, a very thrilling and electrifying and amazing guest, uh, a woman who I love dearly, Judy Gold, is uh, in, this, in the garage. Did I just almost say studio? Have I become, am I that guy? Now my garage is a studio? It's a garage. I almost said studio. What does that mean? Wow, I'm, I'm getting lofty. I'm getting, uh, I don't know if I'd say cocky, but uh, for a second there, I, 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 I almost said in my studio. This is the garage. It's always the garage. It has microphones, has a table. Doesn't look like the inside of a garage, really. It never has. I guess it is my studio. But that doesn't have the same ring. The garage, man. Anyway, a studio? No. No. It's a garage. Judy and I were uh, comics together in New York. Uh, she's always been... Um, we have an odd relationship. Uh, she is a, a tall Jewish lesbian with an incredibly outgoing, bordering on intimidating personality. And I am a you know normal-sized, uh, aggravated uh, Jewish straight man. Uh, and we, uh, not that I'm stereotyping or classifying in any way, her and I have always had a very specific dynamic. A very specific dynamic that I think you'll hear in this uh in this episode of WTF, she is here in Los Angeles. You, if you are in Los Angeles, her one-woman show, The Judy Show, My Life as a Sitcom, is at the Audrey Skirball Kennis Theater at the Geffen Playhouse through August 18th. Go see it because Judy is a powerhouse. I mean it. Very enjoyable. Uh, very uh, uh, adorable. And she's aggressively adorable. I wonder how she. I wonder what she think if I if I said that. Aggressively adorable, incredibly funny. Judy Gold will be here momentarily. As for me, if you care about my uh, my where whereabouts uh, tonight, I am flying to Montreal tomorrow, July twenty sixth, at the Montreal Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. I'm doing a live WTF at the Hyatt Regency Grand Salon Opera Ballroom or Showroom. Uh, that's going to feature as of right now Eddie Izzard. Trevor Noah, and now I'm waiting on a couple other ones. Maybe Rich Hall, maybe we'll see. We'll see. But those are pretty big names so far. It's going to be a fun show. I've never talked to Eddie. I've never talked to Trevor. Powerhouse. That's my word, I guess. Mighty might be a, another word. Tomorrow night in Montreal, I will be at the Comedy Works for a short set. Uh, so, because I'm rehearsing for my gala with Sarah Silverman, uh, also the midnight show with Opie and Anthony, the midnight surprise I'll be doing tomorrow night, Friday. I'll also be doing the, uh, the alternative show tomorrow night, uh, with Andy Kindler. That's also a midnight show on Saturday. I will be doing a, uh, a book signing at drawn in quarterly, uh, in Montreal. I will be doing a headlining set of my own, a solo show at 9 30 PM at the place des arts. Uh, and then I'll be doing an 11 o'clock gala with Sarah Silverman, and then again the alternative show at midnight on Saturday with Andy Kindler. So that's a big, uh, that's a big, big bunch of things to do in Montreal. If you're up there next week, I will be at the Main Stage Theater in Chicago, Illinois, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Is that right? Jeez, it is. It's a long run, great theater. Come out for that. I'm very excited about that, and I think there will be books for sale at that show if you're interested in that kind of thing. Can I read you something though? Can I read you something? Look. I'm going to do this today 
because it had an effect on me. And 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 as some of you know, uh, I I don't I'm not as thorough as I as I might need to be when I talk about things or when I talk to people. Many times, I make reference to things that I, I don't know about or that I'm a little off about. But I'm certainly not in the business of hurting people's feelings or making things difficult for other people. Uh, or, or even causing anybody anxiety for that matter. Look, if you sit there and you listen to me go like, oh, come on, Marin, you fucking knew that. Are you kidding me? You didn't know that, Marin? And, you know, it's, it's a general thing that everybody knows. That's one thing. But, you know, in terms of people that are struggling to do their thing and, and put their, their mark on the world and express themselves, I certainly am not in the business of making it difficult for them. Uh, for instance, someone, I got a couple of emails, honestly. I guess this is an apology. Today, today's apology day. I guess some a few sculptors uh, got their feelings hurt because of my uh, David Sedaris interview. I condescended or trivialized the art of sculptors, sculpture. Look, I love sculpture. I sit, I stand before sculptures. I'm not against sculptures. I apologize for condescending sculpture. I know it's a tough life. It's a it's a tough thing to commit your life to. But if your heart leads you there, good for you. Uh, uh, I hope you find your true expression in sculpture, and I I will enjoy it if I come upon it. I don't walk by sculptures and go, what the fuck is that? I know what the fuck it is. I may not understand what the fuck it is, but I do take in and allow the impact to happen. So this is just a general apology to sculptors out there. Uh, I am sorry. I did not mean to trivialize or condescend your chosen mode of expression. Power on. Carve, uh, chisel, uh, shape, uh, screw, uh, you know, nail, um uh mold uh weld uh you know you know use small uh knives and and glue do whatever you do uh uh, put things together with rope organic let it hang hang some things i apologize i appreciate your art and uh and and it's a tough road to uh to sculpt and and power to you uh by the way (laughs) My uh, my IFC show has been picked up. We're doing another season of Marin on IFC. Uh, we are doing um, 13 episodes this time around. Uh, the work begins very soon. I'm going to be back in that. Uh, I couldn't be more excited. I want to do it better. I want to do it uh, uh, more funny. I want to, you know, I really want to knock it out of the park. And I don't use baseball analogies very often. I am going to be very busy for the next few months. Because we got to get the crew back together, we got to write thirteen episodes, and then we got to get the we got to see if we can get the same house that we rented. We got to see if we can get some of the same actors we got. We got to figure out you know where we're going and what we're doing. But I couldn't be more fucking excited. So if you didn't hear that through other sources, I am doing another episode of the show Marin for IFC. I want to thank IFC and thank uh, you know everybody over there for having the faith and and. Uh, supporting me and, and being into doing another another bunch of episodes i get i i gotta deliberate i gotta figure out you know what parts of my life are am i going to fictionalize and elevate and what parts uh i shouldn't do that with i'm gonna have to ask my fiance about that <laughs> yeah some of those episodes might have caused me a little strain at home but uh that's something to look forward to if you're into my show that's coming back now back to this letter during the Iggy Pop interview, I made reference to the original Stooges getting back together, and I made reference to James Williamson, who was uh, one of the original guitar players uh, uh, on some of the Stooges albums. And I talked about a band that you know James Williamson was doing a tech job, and he retired early, and he he got his chops back together, he got his 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 playing legs back uh, with a band 
who I referred to as a Iggy as a Stooges cover band. Now, my friend Jack Bower had written an article on this band, and I and I'd read the article, and I, but I didn't put it together that they weren't a Stooges covers band. They were doing Stooges covers to help James Williamson, you know, get his chops back to help a a rock legend uh, get comfortable with the songs and the guitar playing again, so he could go on tour with Iggy Pop. Now, I got a, a letter from a member of that band who are who are not. <laughs> I, I repeat, not a Stooges cover band, but the letter was had a perspective in it that I, I think that some of my listeners, and I'm talking to you, will appreciate. Uh, the band is called Careless Hearts, and they've been around for a while. Let me just read you this letter because he was diplomatic, but, but I got the message. Uh, the subject line is Iggy and the mind fuck of history. Hey, Mark, love the Iggy Pop interview. I've been listening to your podcast for years. It was great to see you land this one from your wish list. But something came up in your interview with Iggy that sent my brain spiraling backwards in a way that I suspect you might understand or maybe even relate to. So I, I, I read that and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm in. You and Iggy covered a lot of ground together. At the end of getting into his recent reconnection with guitarist James Williamson, in doing so, you alluded to something which, with which I am in, intimately familiar. The band that James practiced with prior to rejoining the, the Stooges was my band in San Jose. We're called Careless Hearts. The story of how we wound up playing with James is a great one, and Jack Bulware wrote about it in some detail for an in-flight mag back when it all went down. I know Jack is a friend of both of ours, and it's my guess that's how you knew about all that having happened. We are not, as you said in the interview, a Stooges cover band. We'd been writing our own songs and doing our own thing as, as a group for about four years before we ever met James Williamson. But setting the record straight on that point is not at all why I'm writing. Totally not a big deal. That's what he said, uh, but I'm starting to glean that that, that that may not be completely true. Uh, but now I, I'm... You know, I'm in and I feel like I've done someone a disservice. Back to the letter. The night we played a show at James Williamson, standing in for him as Erzat Stooges so that he could get his stage legs before heading, reuniting with his band, that was a night none of us will ever forget. As a lover of the Stooges since I was a teenager, it is one of the greatest moments of my musical career. A fan's dream come true. James' sound is so fucking distinctive, and to hear it coming from over my right shoulder on stage, and to feel the power of his musical personality at such close range, it was like nothing I'll ever experience again. And that's not even getting into the giddy fun that we had for a month of rehearsals preceding that moment. He even brought Funhouse sax player Steve McKay along too. Simply mind-blowing. I knew, however, even before the afterglow from that moment of performance had completely faded away, that we as a band had just stepped into someone else's story and not as lead characters, but as very minor players. We became a footnote in the story of James Williamson. In that amazing night, our brief connection to the star power of the Stooges completely overloaded the circuit that had been powering our two albums in, trying to build a fan base, a little old band. As the singer and songwriter for the group, I think it fucked me up the most. Our ambition as a band has always been both extremely modest and ambitious at the same time. To play it for the long haul, to work toward getting so good that will be impossible to ignore, but footnote... The word banged around in my head in the crappiest of ways for seriously about two years. Is that really all we could ever hope to be? I started to feel like our greatest moment so far might wind up being the greatest moment we'd ever have built entirely on someone else's frame. 
I didn't know how to make sense of what we'd just gone through. All the really nice recognition and sincere accolades we got for being a one-show-only Stooges cover band, like a python swallowing a whole goat. It's taken us some time to digest what our footnote moment really meant. We kept writing, we kept playing, and eventually pushing this thing damn uphill started to make sense to me again. For one thing, I started writing songs that incorporated what we learned from James Williamson. Careless Hearts, before playing with James, was an old 97 slash Steve Earle axis, well to the countryside of the rock spectrum. But playing a full set of Stooges songs helped me reconnect with the ecstatic current of full-on rock, and that made me want to write more songs in that vein. Not everyone who was in the band at that point agreed, unsurprisingly. So it has taken us a while to find a new voice, one that makes sense in the new reality of our band and moment, but I think we're finally getting there. We're back again on the slow climb out of mediocrity and obscurity, but I think we've got a better chance of creating something of real value now. True or not, I have to believe that, and I do. Squaring who we are now as 30-slash-40-something adults playing rock and roll and having it not be some kind of a joke, we owe a lot to what bands like Iggy and the Stooges are showing us is still possible. The way I see it, we had a moment where the light of public attention shined on us, and we were simply not yet good enough for anything lasting to have come of it. If you don't learn from shit like that, well then I guess you don't deserve to. It's hard to hold yourself up against legends for comparison, but people are choosing from the entire history of recorded music every time they put something on. You have to take that seriously or you don't stand a chance. I'm sure the same is true in comedy, painting, or whatever. And I, and I might add sculpture. Anyway, hearing that moment of your interview with Iggy brought a lot of that initial anxiety and neurosis slamming right back into my head. I thought you might appreciate the story. I've really enjoyed the way you uncover the inner lives of creative folks on your show, so sharing a little of mine with you felt pretty natural. Careless Hearts did just record a brand new album, release date still TBD, I'll keep you posted. All my best, man. Still totally love your show, Paul. Paul Kimball from the Careless Hearts. You know, it's hard to do what we do. It's hard to do what you want to do creatively. And uh, like I said to Paul, I certainly didn't want to cause you any Tsuris, as we say in Yiddish, uh, as I slowly ease into the Judy Gold portion of this show. But yeah, good luck with the band. You know, I, I hope this new album is great. Let me know when it's out. And man, I am sorry. You are not a Stooges cover band. You are the Careless Hearts from San Jose. And you will rock. And you will transcend. All right? That's my vote of confidence, Paul. Now back to the rest of What else do I want to say about Judy Gold? She's got Nachis. That's what we say. That's what we say. I think I'm actually getting Jewier. Let's go now to my conversation with Judy Gold. You good? We pull that right into your face? Yeah, and I'll pull something else. (laughs) It's already starting. (laughs) The weird, aggravated sexual tension. Of Mark don't Marin you and need Judy a big a, don't you need a big lesbian on your show? I wait. Would you you mean on the IFC show? Yeah, sure. Yeah, you need a big. Yeah, I'm, I have no problem with. I mean, we might be doing if we're going to do more. There's going to be thirteen, and I have no problem. Uh, what What do you think the episode would be? Can you pitch it to me? Yeah, like let me you think. decide. You're you're angry, and you're like, all right, I'm going to make out with Mark Marin. Right, I have to make out with someone angrier than me. <laughs> <laughs> Because that, yeah. you know, 
that'll turn me on. And yeah. then it doesn't turn me on. No, it doesn't work. No. And then and then I maybe I fall in love with yes, you. Yes, yes, you fall in love with me. And I'm like, she's the only woman for me. Right, because she's so angry and miserable. And, and she's no not way. attracted to me. Exactly. That's why I love her even That's more. Right. Yeah. I become obsessed. Right, right. That's perfect. Be- <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so now this what this is the new show you're doing. The live this is a live theater show right so i'm at the geffen i'm doing the judy show my life as a sitcom which ran in new york and then uh now we're in at the geffen and how how are the audiences over there do people come out in los angeles oh my god i can't believe it how big of a theater is it our theater we're in the smaller theater yeah and it's about 127 seats yeah, and oh, it's great. pretty much packed every night. That's great. That's perfect amount of people I for mean, anything. They, they do, yeah. They do make an announcement that you know, if you are using an uh, assisted hearing device, you must shut it off. So See, that is the one most annoying. And then, like, I'll be on stage and I'll hear, <laughs> and I'm like, oh god, it's so annoying when it starts whistling or yeah. feeding back, like, yeah. Who's I just wish it uh, I was with? Oh, Monty Hall. I went over to Monty Hall's house. Oh, we did that benefit for. Remember, we did that benefit that's that all, he hosted. I, I wish I'd known that when I went there because that's all he does is benefits, and yeah. like, that's what he's now like. He's one of these guys that his one contribution to culture is let's make a deal. He's right. got a good backstory, but right. for the last fifty years, it's like cha- I do charity. That's what I do. <laughs> Charity's my job. I'm giving a lot back. And why did you go to his house? He's Are you hundred? I don't. What do you think I'm going to make Monty Hall show up over here? You all think right. I, oh, you went to his house to do a podcast. No, I'm not just hanging out with. Monty oh, all Hall. right. Well, you sound. It sounded like you're like. Oh, I went to Monty Hall's. Yeah, we were we hanging out. out. He was like, Hey, hey, do you have a paper clip in your bag? Yeah, I try hey. to surprise him with a new uh, costume yeah. every time I go to his yeah, house right. for brunch. Yeah. <laughs> Is he not? He's Monty, nice. It's a cowboy hat. Uh, do I, what, what, do, what door do what I? What do I get? Hey. <laughs> no, I, I. His actually, what happened was, his grandson. Contact, uh, contacted me right and he's like uh, you got to talk to my grandfather he's got a great story it's monty hall and i'm like i don't know what what, what has monty hall done what he means well, let's make a deal and i'm like hey, right. but is that something yeah it is something you know it's, i mean it's it is but it turns out like it, he had a very interesting story i don't know why we're talking about this it's fine he grew up uh, as a jew what in, yeah that's disgusting in winnipeg. winnipeg oh yeah you know what my rabbi when i was growing up in New Jersey was from Winnipeg. There's a lot of Jews in Winnipeg. David Steinberg's from Winnipeg. Yeah. He's a Jew. No, I know. There's a lot of Canadian Jews. They're, yeah. they're different, though. They don't, they oh, don't no. seem to have the same... There's no... <laughs> knock. And there's, there's no, and there's no like... Bleh. Right. It's not like... No, no. like yeah, yeah, like my, Michael Rotenberg is a Jew. David Steinberg right. is like the least aggravated Jew in the world. I right. Mean, the name should have some punch. Right. Exactly. how come it's not coming out of his mouth because like I understand Because they it. don't wake up in the morning with a voice going, you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, you're, you know... Or, or the, you're going to get sick, you're going to get sick right. and not be able to pay for it. Right, right. <laughs> I thought that was only mine. Wow. No. I remember, yeah. like, when I first started doing stand-up. Um, what Ke- year was that, Judy? Well, the first time I ever did it. We started, like, it, the same time, right? Right. But I did it in college in about 1982. What college? Rutgers. My father went to Rutgers. Really? CBT. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was a sad trip to down memory lane when I drove him. He wanted to go look at Jersey City where he grew up, and I'm right. like, just stay in the car. Right. And then we go out to Rutgers to his fraternity house, and right. he's wandering around looking for a picture with him, and it was oh. tragic. Jersey City's nice now, though. That wasn't at that time. Right. So, all right, so you're at Rutgers. What do you major in at Rutgers? I major in music at Rutgers. Doing what? Singing? No, pl- piano and clarinet. I played clarinet in the orchestra, but I was basically piano and, you know, like a general music major. Like, I thought I would teach music. 
You wanted to be a music teacher? Shut up. My no, parents. I think, I think that's. Pre- <laughs> my parents wanted still me to time. be a music teacher. still time. Oh, please shut up. My parents wanted me to be a music teacher. And what did your parents do? Who who do, who decides that? What I Jews, don't know. What they, Jews say we would? Judith, you should be a teacher. I've come from a whole family of teachers. Oh, really? You should be a teacher. That you know that teaching, teaching, teaching. My grandmother was a teacher. My aunt, my cousins. Your you know, mother? My mother was a secretary. Your father? He was a tax attorney. Wow. CPA That's and, some exciting and lawyer. Stuff. Oh, God. Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> and he wrote the tax laws for the state of New Jersey, so it's even oh more. Oh, my God. Yes, the book. People, your friends must say, can I come to do uh, your house yes, just for your was, father's story? Uh, fa- it was incredible. Really incredible. Are they both still alive? Exciting. No. Uh, my father's dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he died swimming laps and <laughs> in 1990. Oh, God. And Where? My- at the house? No, at the swim club. I hated that fucking swim club. You know, Florida, my ma- where? No, I was in. They right, never left right, New Jersey. In New Jersey, yeah. So uh, it was. I hated going there because yeah. I was not popular, and all right. the bitchy asshole, fu- you know, cunty girls were there. Was it? And, on, were you on a swim team or is just no? no but right, my mother uh, was like, "Judith, come to the swim every. Come to the swim club. You gotta come to this." And I'm like, "I don't. I hate everyone. Why am I, I have to walk around in a fucking bathing suit? No, I'm not going to the swim club." <laughs> So, and then, of course, he dies at the swim club. <laughs> and then um, my mother's 91 in August, and she is in the Hebrew home for the aged in Somerset, New Jersey. Really? Mm-hmm. The Hebrew home for the aged? Right, because she's Jewy, Juman, Jewel. Yeah. Do you go over there? All the time. Really? How are the other people? That must you know, be a, the, a nonstop entertainment. Uh, I have to tell you. Yeah. There are some really interesting characters there. Of course, there. and the, yeah, and and they have they ha- they have really great stories. A lot, you know, a lot of Holocaust survivors and everything. But those are so, hilarious. You know, the stories. But, are, oh, oh, and the Auschwitz. Yes. Look and, at my oh, number. I, you can still right, see my number. Right, and oh God, I'm hungry. No, I'm not. I could. I'm not hungry. <laughs> I play so. the number on my arm in the lottery every week. <laughs> oh, but so. um, it the, the they're interesting. I, I mean, I went there. Why? It's kind of it's dark. Like a, a, a yeah, Holocaust that, survivor playing the number from the well, tap two and the lottery. It's maybe dark. it would work. It's funny, but though, it yeah. wouldn't be dark if they won the lottery. Yeah, but the, I hit. And twice. then they yeah. said, "Fuck you, Hitler." Yeah. Yeah. All right. You fucking asshole. Yeah. I made a millionaire because <laughs> yeah, of you, you yeah. piece of shit. All right. So all right, anyway, so you're at the home. With so the, the nursing home. And, yeah. No, it was Passover. Oh, Passover. Right. And um, first of all, it is you know all these we're sitting at the tables. My mother, ninety. Mm-hmm. Her friend Shirley, ninety-five. Mm-hmm. Her friend uh, Molly is a hundred. Her friend Hilda is a hundred. Hundred, and yeah, it has the most hundred-year-olds in anywhere. Lucid though, lucid. Yeah, Molly wouldn't stop. Like during the seder, she could not stop singing Diana. Like the whole Die Diana. I'm like Molly, shut the fuck up. Anyway, <laughs> but and the rabbi is like sitting at another table, and it's the most boring. I can't even tell. Hey, the, the, the Jews, and the, then we left Egypt, and then we walked, and then we had the charoses and the bitter herb. He and did the whole thing. And he's like going on and on. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the yeah. woman at the next table yeah. yells, I just peed! <laughs> and then Shirley at my mother's table says, and everyone has to know about it? <laughs> And the rabbi, not it, not stopping at all. And we're gonna take the bitter herbs and we're gonna <laughs> put it in the salt water and we're gonna eat it. The bitterness of the. I just peed. I couldn't believe it. And then, of course, I had to sing the four questions because I was the youngest one there. I'm not kidding. So you had to do Manishana. and my mother's like, "Oh, look at Judith. She is so terrific." But yeah, so that was. What town in New Jersey did you grow up in? Clark. I don't know where that is. 
Exactly. And you don't want to know where it is. No, but I grew up in Pompton Lakes. Is that? Do you know where that is? No, where is that? I don't know where it is. I, it's in... Uh, like, what's near it? Wayne. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, we lived in Wayne when I was mm-hmm. a kid. I think I'm actually like, I'm I'm a New Jersey guy. Yeah, I am. I'm a Jersey girl. It's but a, do you ever go back? No, there's no reason for me to go right. back. I mean, there's no one there anymore. I right. don't like everyone's gone. Were you popular in high school? I didn't go to high school in New Jersey. I moved to New Mexico. So I only, I, I, I was. Oh, you were there till? Like six years old, seven. But my grandmother oh. was always there. I always went back. Right. I wasn't that popular in high school. Were you? Yeah. Zero. No, not at all. Were you angry? Were you trying? Were you? Uh, I was just, I was living in a fantasy world of like, get me the fuck out of here. I can't, you have to come see my show. I'm going to come see your show. Um, I was very, I was very tall. Um, My parents were old. Yeah. How old Uh, were they when they had you? 41 and 48. Uh Uh-huh. And then, and we were not fancy schmancy at all. No siblings? I had a brother and a sister. How were they? Snorefest, yeah. and um, my brother's an accountant. My sister works in an insurance company. It was like, and then I was like in the house going, "What the fuck is wrong with all you people?" <laughs> like, and I was like the identified patient. You know how they always say there's the identified patient in the mm-hmm. family. So that's the one that everyone says is fucked up. But I'm telling you, I was sort of the normal one, right. and they were all like so reticent, and and it just like never. I was like, "What? Can we have some excitement here?" You're it's emotional. Like, Right. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so I was very unpopular. I was really tall. I was in the marching band. It was like you perfect storm. Band? Yes, it was terrible. And were you repressing all the current anger you have? I mean, were you like in the halls of- your... uh, In the halls of my high school. I could not, I mean, literally from class to class, Bigfoot, Sasquatch. I was like constant, constant. <sighs> and if I walked in a classroom late, that was even worse because they would yell it in front of the- teacher and it was just it was constant and I but I wasn't one of those people like of course I slunched over and I was like oh what does it have to happen to me but I knew somewhere inside that these people are fucking assholes yeah and there's a whole other world out there and I'm getting the fuck out of here and fuck them did you did you yell at them back no my mother always said Judith ignore them they're jealous I'm like mother not jealous okay (laughs) I'm gigantic I'm in a fucking marching band uniform they're not jealous of me okay that pip squeaks, Judith. Don't and I wouldn't say anything. I really wouldn't. But in my head, I would be like, "Fuck you, you fucking asshole, oh, it's you dumb awful. shit." Yeah. What else did you do? Did you what? Did you date? No, nothing. I didn't go to the prom. Did you go to the prom? Yeah, you did. I was. I was able to. Di- I. I could move through worlds. I was not an outcast. Yeah, I was really. I was funny then, so I, I had friends in all camps. See, that's the thing. I was funny, but only the people in the marching band knew it, and the choir. Yeah, it so, was. So, it was just. <laughs> so you had friends. I had a small group of friends, all complete outcasts. Yeah, the gayest guy ever, <laughs> who I don't even talk to anymore. But it was like on purpose or just because uh, I just I don't talk to touch, anyone. Yeah, right. and he was beyond gay. Yeah. I mean, like stereotype one hundred and one, like yeah. Barbara Streisand. Yeah, did he know he was gay? Uh oh, please. I do, but the, yeah, but, uh, yeah. I think he knew he was gay, but then when he told me, you know, he—I forgot. I think we were like eighteen years old. So he yeah. was like, oh, "I'm gay," and I'm like, "Duh!" But <laughs> I just don't you know. Like, it's sometimes like a big there's thing. a natural gravitation towards camp, and they don't know they're gay yet. Like they like, don't want to admit it. It's right. like everyone. I think gay people, as a gay person, yeah, like you know, like look, people say, "When did you know?" I knew when I was three, that there was something different about me, that I wasn't like everyone else. Three? But you, 
Three, definitely three. I was cutting my hair. I was. I wanted to look like a boy. I made everyone oh, really? call me Ringo. And um, <laughs> my grandmother's like, Judith, why are you cutting your hair off? But I just wanted to do boy things. I had no desire to play with dolls. or. Yeah. And I knew that there was something different about me and that I was more attracted to like, like I had different feelings about the girl. But like, you don't know until you're an adolescent and you become a sexual person. Right. Oh, that's what it is. Well, and then in the 70s, you do not tell anyone, you know? Right. But who were, like, who were the people that were your heroes, like, as an adolescent? Who, what, what was the things that were sparking, you know, your hero worship or sexuality? Uh, well, there were, you know, my first big crush was Barbara Eden. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember? Jeannie. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't be more Gaisha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have, like, you know, and I just loved her. I thought she was the most beautiful thing. And then, of course, you know, like, teachers and then you know then of course i was the jewy you know barbara streisand Uh and um you know i loved joan rivers too i loved outspoken yeah female i mean i thought she was so funny and i thought phyllis diller and toady fields i mean like i i love those women that well well, that's sort of like as a comic you sort of are one of those women i guess so no, no, but I mean, like, especially like Toadie Fields, Phyllis right. Stiller, and Joan Rivers. Right. You know, you know uh, because a lot of people try to characterize female comics as this or that, but I mean, they were aggressive. Right. Yeah, and there was, you know, you had to reckon with them because right. they were dealing with an industry that was completely unsympathetic and uninviting to, to right. women in general right. as stand-ups. And all of them were killers. They were amazing. Sophie Tucker. I yeah, mean, yeah. And then, you know, as I got older and I learned about Frances Faye, I mean, she was fucking unbelievable. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it's, you know, it was those women that I, I would watch them and I, I would be like, yes. That, you know? I, that's, I had the same thing happen to me when you watch comics is that they had a way of handling themselves. Right. Of, of taking on the world, having a point of view, not taking any shit. It's empowering. Right, right. exactly. It, it's, it is about not taking any shit or taking the shit. Yeah. And and reprocessing it, yeah. and throwing it back in your face. Have you spent time with Joan lately? Uh, I haven't seen her in oh god about a year and a half or so. Because but... I just you know, like I was you know, neither here nor there with the current manifestation of Joan Rivers, right? Because you know, there was some, and I went and did her show where you sit in her bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's lovely. Oh and my she's, god, she's, she's a delight. I and mean, she's sweet, and she's well. She will talk shit about anybody, anybody, anybody. And I got to get her in here. I mean, without even much provocation. Right. She, but the, the greatest thing about her is when people talk shit about her. Yeah. She's like, thank you, yeah. thank you. <laughs> I love it. it. Thanks so much. Got more Twitter followers. Got yeah. more. You know, she's just a genius, and she writes so much, and she does not stop. I mean. I just, I think she's amazing. It's weird because I, you know, even with the plastic surgery and stuff, I'm like, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Because you know, some people, like my girlfriend, she's always like sort of like, they, she had worked on, this person had worked on. Right. That so what? I mean, right. I have a mother who's like, you know, I don't even know what she looks like. <laughs> you know? What did she have done? Yeah. I, 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 there's something always going on. <laughs> but it's pretty tasteful. I mean, it's she doesn't right. do the, the, the filling the face thing. So when did you first go, uh, when did you first act on your uh, your girl love? Do they call it that anymore? I don't know. What do they call it? <laughs> Lesbo. I don't know. Um, I was 15. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And was it like, like uh, what have I done? Or was it like, It was God. like, oh, my God. You know, it was just natural. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when, uh, yeah, it was very natural. It was like a natural progression. Mm. Uh, it was a complete secret. It went on for a couple of years till oh, really? we graduated high school. Yeah. And, you know, sneaking here, sneaking there. My mother once caught us 
and uh, she walked in the room. I'm like, we were just playing Ouija board. <laughs> what are you talking about? Ouija we were board. playing Ouija board naked under the under the. Bleh. I did. Ouija I was, board. Yeah, Ouija have board. All games. I know that was, was what I came up with. <laughs> we were just playing Ouija board. Um, so that went on, and you know, I definitely had like love feelings, you know, or yeah, whatever, yeah. however yeah. they, whatever you could call them Desire. at that age. Yes, yes, yes. And then I went to college, and I. It's so funny because when you're gay you feel like you have to try to be straight or you have to, or at that time, I don't yeah. think kids feel like that anymore, but you're like, Oh, I, I, I got I got to at least try it with the guy, you know? Yeah. And I had a boyfriend and I hate, I mean like, <laughs> I, can't even, I, can't I know even he was six, it. four, he was about 120 pounds oh and he hated food. I was like, I fucking love food. And he would eat, like he would eat a plain cheese sandwich. He's like, I only eat because I have to. And he would drive the car without the radio on. I was like, he was a complete opposite of me. How but did he was, you find him? Uh, he was in my dorm. Yeah. He was 6'4". He yeah. looked kind of like um, Mick Jagger. And he had a huge penis. Yeah. It was like, it, that's everyone knew him because he had this huge penis. Yeah. And, those, those guys don't need that much of a personality. Yeah. They it was like by. 10 inches long. Yeah. And, oh my god! Oh god! When I tell you, ripped apart at the <laughs> seams. So, the, I lost my virginity to him. And uh, was it good? No, I hated it. It was so unnatural <laughs> Did to you me. Hate him? You know, I he was just like a he was like my brother. Like he was like a member of my family. Just really boring, and you know, tall, and just he's there to do a job to get right. something over with. So. He, we go to, I say to him, well, you know, he's like, oh, really? So I said, okay, so want, you have to take me to dinner. Yeah. And we went to- uh, This before I, you lose your virginity. Yeah. Because he kept planning on, you know, what? And so uh, he said, I said, well, you have to take me to dinner. And, and then he, and I don't want to do it in the dorm. So yeah. we, we went to a motel. Yeah, sure. You know, a motel. Single level. Yeah. Like the yeah. ones where when the father kidnaps the kids yeah, 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 and yeah, then he yeah. closes the curtain, he's right. in there yeah. and, you know. Hold up from the cops. Yeah. Or, yeah. So uh, we go to uh, in New Char- Jersey. Yeah, it was what was it? Charlie something. I, all I know is that the they had a nice salad bar with shrimp in it. All right. So, and then we go to this motel. Yeah, and we do it. So and you're making out. Or, or it's it- just like I hated even making out. Like the whole thing was unnatural. Like I was like, ooh, I can't believe I have to do this. And then we do it. It kills. I hate it. I mean, there's, it's just awful. Like when he saw a 10 inch cock, I have to assume that would frighten right. me. Right. You, there's a, an amazement to it where you're like, oh my God. But I had I, nothing to compare it to. That's he, the he, other thing. He must have known that I was abnormal. Oh my God. Him. And just think about it. He's 6'4 and like 120, like he was really skinny. He was like so 165 pounds. So he's really skinny. Yeah. It's all cock. Yeah. It's like cock and then some little body attached to it. And the body was just a, ca- a right. cock delivery system. Right. And yeah. so he ugh, he puts it in. Oh, I couldn't. Ugh. Yeah. And then it really kills. And then I went to the bathroom and I was like, okay, well, that broke. <laughs> and um, then I went back in the bed. But you knew what had happened. You didn't really think that he had injured you. Well, no, I was like, I knew. Okay, yeah. yeah. And then I go back in the bed. And I forgot what TV show was on. It was some, um, it was some sitcom or something. Yeah. I was like, oh, good, that's comforting. Yeah. And then 
he and he doesn't like hug me or but then he was like oh we can do it again i'm like no fucking way and then the next day was the simon and garfunkel concert in, in central, central park, park. Yeah. and we went yeah. and i couldn't sit because you're, you're oh it killed so much not fun yeah i couldn't sit i was like yeah. leaning against a tree and um so that was my first and then Sounds great yeah it was really, really romantic yeah, yeah. and um you know you, there was shrimp and you know in a hotel motel, motel. sorry motel sorry. And, and so, cock. but that went on and he wouldn't, he lived in my dorm and he was like, well, what you, and he had his own room. He's like, why don't you ever sleep in my room? I'm like, he cause just, I'm gay. <laughs> I'm gay. But I didn't say that. And then finally, you know, I was just like, I can't anymore. And then recently yeah. I was doing a gig uh-huh. and his wife showed up. It was in Florida. how do you know his wife? He, she came up to me and said, I'm. Yeah. His name was Philip. Uh-huh. I'm Philip's wife. And I'm like, oh my God. And all I kept, kept thinking about is how you, ha- that big fucking dick is inside of you all the time. And he's like, uh, Wait, he and come? I wanted to, say, you know, uh, she was like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. I'm like, well, he made me gay. No, I didn't yeah. say that. <laughs> I wanted to say that, but I've yeah. been running from his cock for 30 years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God. It was so big. It was. Why so- didn't he come? Where was he? The wife just came? Yeah, the wife came. It was some Jewish women's gig. You he, know. he was Jewish? Yeah. Oh, okay. Jewish and a huge cock. That happens. Yeah, so yeah. that was my that was my straight experience. And that was it. I never slept with another guy. Yeah. Um I just it was so unnatural yeah. to me. Then I had, you know, and then I was with someone else. You know, then when I was with girls, yeah. it was like, oh, yeah. and now I have my lover. Uh-huh, yeah. Elisa, she's the best. Yeah. Yeah. But you, no, you've had a, you know, you've had a, a long uh, career in- uh, In lesbianism? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm a professional lesbian. <laughs> professional lesbian. <laughs> yeah. But okay, so you do the, con- you do the, wh- wh- what was the context of the comedy when you first tried it in college? So the context was, it was Secret Santa's. Did you do that? No, I don't know what that is. So, like, for a week, you have a secret Santa, oh, right, right, and you okay. get, like, notes giving yeah. assignments. Yeah, yeah. And then at the party, you find out who your secret Santa, and our floor was really cruel. Yeah. So, one day, I had to crawl everywhere with an apple on my head, except outside. Yeah. And in the bathroom. Okay. Wait, 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 this, uh, uh, it was so awful. I ended up in the fucking... Uh, health center because my neck and back were all fucked up but like, i don't understand why you had to do that, you that, said, that was it You're, you have to crawl for one day oh that was what the person yeah told so you that to was do. one right. i had uh one where i had to um i had to dress like i was going to church yeah wear a cross Whoa. give a speech on the immaculate conception and sing oh come oh you faithful and carry a bible in front of people yeah we did the, it was, every night was a big show oh, on i the get door. it i get it and then the present I got was this book, Jews in Suburbia. So then I go to my RA. I'm like, whoever my secret Santa is, is anti-Semitic. I am being tortured. This person hates, and I know who it is, because there was one really blonde guy yeah, who yeah. had a German last name. And I was like, it's him. I know it's him. Anyway, it was my friend Howard, who was my RA. And he's like, Judy, I can't do anything about it until we find out, you know, at the party. So then I get a note the next day saying I have to do 10 minutes of stand-up comedy and use everyone who lives on our floor as material. Were you funny at this time? Did people I was know funny, you were, yeah. Uh, people, at, when I got to college, yeah. I ended up actually being popular and funny and yeah, people yeah. kind of appreciated me. So the first time I did stand-up was at that 
you know, in the yeah. dorm using everyone. And I got to tell you, I got so high. Before from, you went. No, no, no. I mean, uh -oh. I got high naturally. Yeah, from, yeah, yeah. And it was amazing. And it turns out my friend Howard was my secret Santa. The guy you the went guy up to? The guy that I was like, my secret Santa. The guy that made me sing O Come O You Faithful, right, right, Wear right, a Cross right. and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but that was the first time I did it. And then I was hooked, you know? And I, I would go out. I think I got, there was this place called the Charter House. And it was uh -huh. like a, I don't know, a fish restaurant, but they were doing, you know, you know, Why in the not? 80s, yeah, sure. every, like, Probably a Roger Paul gig. Yeah, everyone was doing stand up. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? everyone. So I did it for a few times. And then on Mondays, I would go to Catch Rising Star and try to get on. And that was when Adrian Tolsh was oh. booking, you know, like she would do the Monday nights and I would see Belzer hosting. And it was like an amazing learning experience. But I was a sophomore in college. So, so that was when Rick Newman was running the yes, place. Still, yes. And horrible Louis Ferranda was the bartender. Right. Louis yeah. Ferranda. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And then I, uh, I stopped going because I wanted to graduate and then I moved to but New who York. Who else did you see? Like Larry David? And oh, Sorry, I saw everybody. Larry. Da I remember Larry Shakes. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, kinda. he was. I, I used to Isn't see he him. Dead? He's dead. He died at a gig. Yeah, right, running. right. That's what I. Can remember. you fucking imagine dying at a goddamn shit hell gig? Anyway, always. Um, I always imagine. Ronnie that. Shakes. His name Ronnie was Ronnie Shakes. Shakes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw. Yeah, I would see Larry David. I would see Larry Miller, Joy Behar, Susie Essman, Paula. I mean. Everybody it was, was there. That every, club was Seinfeld. That, that place made comedy hot. I mean, the improv was like, you know, it was grittier. It was but. standing there in that back. I remember I, and I saw a leafer there for the first time. And you would just even, you know, I would go on at 3 a.m. Right. And I performed basically for the band and yeah. like two mob bosses who yeah. brought their mistresses there and they're doing coke <laughs> in the back and then fucking and then, you know. And but I didn't care. I was on that stage, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and you know the band would laugh and that was like a compliment in itself because they've seen every fucking comic in the entire world but that's really how i started and then i passed you know how you pass yeah. and you can put in your avails right and then you'd call right and uh they made me the backup so like that because there were no cell phones right and so in order to, to make a there. living right well in order to make a living uh, in new york right comics had to do seven eight sets mm -hmm. on a weekend mm -hmm. And you'd go from one to another, but there was no cell phones to say, I'm running late, I'm in a cab, blah, yeah. blah, blah. So I would sit at the bar, I'd get $50 per set, and the other backup was Chris Rock. Uh -huh. And he got on one night, and that was the end of it. He oh, just fucking killed. He was, yeah, and that was it. He wasn't the backup anymore. And I would just sit there and pray someone wouldn't show, wouldn't up. show up. And, you know, notoriously, I w got on once, and uh, I don't know who didn't show up, but it was the check spot. Ugh. And I wasn't, and I was so fucking nervous and they were all getting their checks and I was just like, oh God, this is fucking hell. I'm never going to get on. But you know, and I ended just up standing there in front of people who are distracted and yeah, talking just, about money. Right. And like, oh, oh my so, God. Yeah. It's still it horrible. So, right, it's the worst spot in the world, but they, de you and know, it always comes right when you're like setting up your closing right, bits. Right. It's always going to come like 10 minutes before you're building up to something. Is but now, I mean, now they do it when the MC's on. Sometimes. Yeah. But. Yeah, this was... I'll actually wait. If I see them paying, I'm like, all right, right. you guys do this and I'll start again. A second. Right. It's so... It, it, you cannot do stand-up when they get their fucking check. No, it's ridiculous. It's awful. So you tanked it? I that got it. Yeah, I tanked the... I felt like I tanked what it, What year yeah. was it? So that was 81? No, no, no. When I was... Uh, 
when I was back up, it's got to be like 86. Oh, okay. 86, yeah. And you're still going to college or you're done? No, no, I'm done. I graduated in 84. With your music degree? Moved to New York with my music degree. Shut the fuck up. What? Do you ever play? <laughs> yeah, all the time. <laughs> Look, do you? what's with your guitars? I just got a new one. Are you a good guitar I'm, player? I'm good enough. No, I got this. I'm, I, I don't, I'm not a big guitar buyer, but uh, someone set me up with a free guitar. All right, well, here's my question. What? What did you study in college? L- English, literature. Oh, that's film, good. Film criticism. Anything I could charm my way through was the way I right, did it. Right, gotcha. Sure. Gotcha. Yeah, anything that required interpretation to get right. a grade, right. I was very good at. That's good. Numbers, not for me. No. I don't think reading music would be my thing. Either. I liked that. That was, theory I was wish my favorite. I could uh, do it. You can yeah. read music? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> That's easily like you can. Yeah. Can you still play a clarinet? Probably. If I, yeah. 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 More. I, pl- I play piano, but I play classical. So. It's so now kind of boring. What I remember of you then, like, because I was so that was 86. So I was I didn't get to New York till 89. Right. And by that time, it was um, you were all about the curl on your oh, face. Oh, please shut the fuck. Right, what is so, wrong with you? All right. Why I have I- the curl. Yeah. What? Because I hate myself. And then you bring something up, and then I'm like, oh, fuck. I hate no, I myself. thought you were like, I actually thought that, like, this person is doing, she's in the tradition of Toadie Fields. Right. I she's really do, was. You're like doing Toadie Fields. Right. Yeah. I had a little curl. I yeah. had the spit curl. I actually had it because I was doing, I put it there. I was doing, I was in a scene in my acting class that took place in the 20s, and I had a little. Mm-hmm. And then, what's his name? Who else? Who had the curl here? Someone had the curl on the top. Anyway. Like Lenny and Squiggy. I don't okay. know, but I thought, oh, I'll keep the curl. It's a little, you know, it's oh, look at her. It's yeah, a it's hook. a hook, no pun intended. Yeah. And it was so stupid because I would fucking have the curl. Like I'd be at the beach and I have the curl and then I have a tan line of a curl on my face. <laughs> and um, and then I did the bit, you know, the yeah. Judy show. Yeah. And, yeah. and actually Michael Patrick King, he yeah. came up with that. He's like, why do you have that stupid fucking spit curl? Yeah. Because you'd like, if you had your own show in the 60s, you would slide down a big spit, spit curl singing, The Judy Show! And that's yeah. how I did it. I would yeah. just do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. And then... He was a comic, right? For a yeah, minute? he was a comic. I remember He was in around. a team. Yeah, he was in a team first. What was that team? Because like when I got there in 89, and, and Silver was you know busy yes. ending the... Uh, Right. <laughs> improv. Right. Like, I'd go over there and he'd be around. Yeah, he isn't was it, always at the improv. But isn't it bizarre, like, these people we knew when we were, like, kids just starting out, and now all of a sudden s- certain people are, like, it's, it's, billionaires, well, and you're I, like, oh, I where can't. did that? I can't. Why are we not? Right. That's, yeah. I try to explain that to my partner, Elisa, all the time. It's I, like... Well, what do you, like, see, what do you uh, attribute your... Um, uh, non-success and poorness. It's not non-success. It's, no, it's, it's being it's, at a certain level. Uh, it's I don't I don't look at it as non-success. Okay, but there, yeah, uh, there's uh, a certain type of charm and foresight and social politics that is required, and also a certain type of a certain amount luck. of work and yeah, luck. synchronicity. Yeah, sure, sure. What do I? Um, but because I no, I don't see it as a failure. But I feel like no. we have both been just fighting it out for for all right, these years. I definitely relate to you when I yeah. Um, I am not a failure because I do make a living. Yeah, exactly. And, and but do I want to be rich? Yeah, I have one fucking bathroom and two kids. What do I attribute it to? Um, Did you burn bridges? Are you, do you? No, I never burn. I'm overly loyal, even when I have bad representation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I honestly, I think having a family. Yeah kind of you know maybe stopped a little momentum you know and i also think being a lesbo yeah you know i came out in the 90s in the mid 90s yeah. and 
Yeah, so it wasn't. I don't know. But you it never. Was, but your act was never specific. You never. It, went it one wasn't of those until I had until I had kids. Until Henry was born, and I was like, I got to talk about my family. Right. You know. So that was ninety six, ninety seven. So, but I think it's because we're very intense. Yeah. And we have a certain energy. Really. Well, well, I like I've mellowed a bit, but when I look at my stand up and stuff, yeah, that they're. Like there, there's a menace to it. Right. It's not sort of like let's just sit back and watch Judy Gold. It's like right. hold on to your chair. Right. 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 So it's you know like I've said it on stage where I'm like you know I'm not everybody's idea of a night out. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. 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 So I like always felt like, but I can't turn that down. What are you going to do? Right. Do you... I am who I am. I right. mean, I think the beginning. Like I don't know if you did this. What? But in the very beginning, when I started getting representation, they started telling me do this, do that. Like like what? Dye your hair blonde, straighten it. Don't ever go on TV with curly hair. I'm not kidding. Really? Yeah. Who said that? Too Was Jewish. That... Too Jewish. Too Jewish. Um, and these were Jews telling you. Oh, that. always. N- Non-Jews would never fucking say anything like that. And then, and I would hear that in the back of my head, you know, instead of being like, "Fuck you," yeah, you know, yeah, this yeah. is who I am. And it took Made a while. Made you more insecure right. than you were already. Right. So it, it was. Oh my god, maybe that'll work. And it's yeah. like you don't realize until you get to a certain age that. You know, fuck you. Yeah. You know, you you people have jobs, then you don't have jobs. You're in the business. You're out of the business. This is what I do. Don't fucking tell me what to do on stage. Mm-hmm. You have never been on stage. Like I have to say, the people who have done stand up, like the the you know Chris Mazzilli. Do you yeah, know Chris sure, Mazzilli? He sure, owns Gotham. Sure. Yeah. He is so good to comics. Right. Because he has d- done stand up comedy. Right. And he gets it. Right. You know the people who tell stand ups. How to act? What to say? You ha- no. Yeah. App- you have no right to do that. You know. Well, they used to do it. I mean, it's weird when you watch like those doc, like you watch a documentary on Woody Allen. Yeah, I was he, just like, thinking that too. Like Rollins and Jockey, right. where they take these raw guys. But mm-hmm. then again, you know, back then there was only you know, it was a much more intimate business, right? And there was sort of an angle to it, right? But you, you know, I but by the time we got into it, I'm surprised that they told you anything because my manager, you know, basically eventually what they tell you is like, I don't know what to do with you. Oh yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what they. That's what it all you're involves. You're a very to. specific type, yeah, Judy. Yeah, yeah. Very specific. <laughs> that's what I get, Judy. You know, well, you're a type. I'll but, push for it. Every fucking job I get, yeah, goes to a black person. Really? Yes. Well, yes. You, you go out for what? For I go out for thing. I mean, I, I have to say, I, I can tell. All right, so. Um, oh, so they want some sort of like over the, the top, aggressive, loud. Right, but I'll woman. audition yeah. and then We're going it'll go. Direction. Yeah, so here's, let's see. Um, everybody loves Raymond. Right. So uh, they had this part. The name was Judy. Mm-hmm. 35, really sarcastic, can't stand Ray. Yeah. Partner of, um, what's his name? Brad Garrett. Okay. You know, policeman. Yeah. So, can you fly out and read for this? Yeah. I mean, it was literally the words. I, I didn't have to look at the script. It was cut like Judy, sarcastic. All right. They wrote it for you because he probably who wrote it. They probably knew you. Uh, yeah, it was probably. I think it was Lou or right. I don't know. One of yeah guys we know. Yes, yeah. that were and so. It's uh, so. You know what's funny about those guys? Like I ran into Lou on a plane, yeah. and like after all is said and done, after they make a billion dollars, they're sort of like, yeah, I wish I was uh, you know doing. This I stand-up. know. <laughs> I They're know. all like, I'm a billionaire, but oh God, I, I wish I was it. doing stand up. Do and you you're miss like, it? And I'm like, fuck you! I have <laughs> one fucking bathroom. 
Here, take my gig. I'll tell live in your fucking house. Anyway. Exactly. Just so, tell, give me a little bit of your money. Right. You just and and here, take my gigs. Yeah. You can do them for me. <laughs> so, um, so they, so they said to me, "Could you?" And I was at that time, I was uh, one of the producers of the Rosie O'Donnell show, and I said to Rosie, "Can I just fly the out?" The TV show. Yes. Yeah. Can I fly out for this audition? And I literally came in. I took the seven a.m. flight. Mm-hmm. And they're like, look, it's it's just going to be you. It's really you. You know how they're always like, it's you. It's yeah, just yeah. got to go in and read. Yeah. Just got to go in and read. Uh, and then I get up to go and they tell me as I land, by the way, there's going to be one another person they're just for offering the, a network to. or studio. Or like you're going for this, like for this part, this recurring but, part. But on it's, for, is it, it's not just a casting agent. You've passed that. You're going into. Oh, I'm reading with the it was it was the producers. It was a producer session. All right. They go, there'll be one other person there, uh, Queen Latifah. I go, well, why the fuck am I flying out here? Yeah. What? Who? Judy Gold, Queen Latifah. Anyway, so I get to the audition. I got. I landed at ten. I think the audition was at like twelve thirty-one. Yeah. And um, I go to the audition and I walk in the waiting room. Forty black women, <laughs> and me. I'm not kidding. I was like, really. I go in, I read, it was like, couldn't have been more perfect, leave, get on a plane, go back home, get up to go fucking, you know, produce Rosie, I had to be there at 7am, Sherry Shepard, she got that part, then, this is the whole history of my career, then I do, uh, I did, um, oh, I was up for Talk Soup, the yeah. host of Talk Soup. Sure, we were all up for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We all, did Aisha you get Tyler. the guest host? I, yeah, I did guest host. Like four of them or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Aisha Tyler. Yeah. Then I uh, I got did the pilot. Uh-huh. I hosted the pilot for the Newlywed Game for the Game Show Network, uh-huh. which I love game shows and uh-huh. like I love hosting, you know. You do? Yeah, I was when I started. Like I would MC all the time. Yeah. I was like, "Give me the MC spot" because I got more stage time. I was on stage all night, and you can be quick, you know, right? You, and yeah. you can tighten your bits yeah. in between. And so, um, so I do the pilot. Yeah. For um, and yeah. they're like, "Oh my god!" You know how they're always like, "Oh my god, you're brilliant!" And anytime someone's like, "Oh, well, you killed it," I'm like, "That's, That's the end it. of that." <laughs> I'm not getting that job. Yeah. <laughs> and so I did the pilot, and then I wasn't famous enough, so they gave it to. Um, What's her name? I don't know. Uh, Marnie, Carney Wilson. Oh, okay. And then she sucked, so they gave it to Sherry Shepard. Yeah. Because she's uh, black. Sergeant Judy. Who was it? Look, Sergeant Judy. Yeah. That's the fucking name. I'm looking on IMDb. Yeah. Sherry Shepard! <laughs> she, how many fucking jobs? Then there's an opening at The View. Yeah. Sherry Shepard! <laughs> and I love Sherry. I mean, she's really a nice person. Yeah. But uh, you know what? Yeah. How many fucking jobs does she need? Right. She got, she had a, at one point she had a sitcom and was hosting The View and was doing the newlywed game. And I'm like, Sherry, really? I mean, just but, one. But hadn't, have you ever pitched, uh, obviously, I don't, you know, I don't know, but I assume at some point you're like, fuck it, I'm going to pitch a show about me and my partner with the kids. Now, Let- it's, it's interesting, Mark, that you bring that up because my show, The Judy Show, My Life as a Sitcom, is all about me trying to pitch a show and it goes through the whole trajectory of my career yeah and the three major times in my life where i pitched a show okay and See, i always tell people that people don't understand that about us is that you know you, you pitch a show and then you get a script deal or whatever they don't make the show and then you got to wait around till your life gets shitty right. enough 
and different enough and then to you re-pitch. pitch it right and you go and to Montreal and you do the you remember gotta, this guy showcase yes, yeah. yes you gotta come see my show at the Geffen will, that's what it's all about I that's will. what and so uh, yeah I have pitched it and I, honestly if I really think about it you know my life is pretty much a recipe for a sitcom and I think if I was I mean I'm not saying this in a bitter way I'm just saying if I think if as I was a straight to everything else or right I'm okay. not <laughs> It's funny because they made a drink at the opening night the other night, and uh, it was like, you know, triple sack and orange cream soda and all this stuff. And I go, are there any bitters in it? Because that would be. But I do believe that if I was a straight white male, I think I would have had a better chance, like pitching my life story. I mean, because it's like, think of my life. I have, I'm, I share custody. I'm divorced. My partner, my ex partner is way more. Uh, has way more money than I do. Really? Okay. Yeah. So the, she has a three bedroom, three bathroom. I live in the two bedroom, oh, so one my bathroom. My brother goes through this. My brother. Right. Oh. So she's like way more successful, and I'm the artist. Well, you chose to be an artist, Judy. And you know, my mother is out of her mind, really hilariously funny in yeah. a nursing home. So I'm dealing with an aging parent, divorce. Elisa, my partner, is great, and there's like a she's How basically their together? stepmother, six and a half years. And you were with uh, the other one for like twenty years. Yeah. I remember her. Yeah. From the clubs and stuff. Yeah. And I remember when you first. I mean, I think I met your kids even. At yeah, some you point. did. Yeah. How about how when we went on that? Do you remember the Comedy Cellar? Yeah. The they boat? had the boat ride. Horrible. 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 And I go on, and you're like, "This is my wife," and I'm like, "I didn't even know you were married." Yeah. Well, I don't. That remember was a bit. That was, was a, that? it. Was the number one. Oh, she. Yeah. I think she just adopted a kid. We don't talk. It's right. interesting when you. When you get divorced and there are no kids, you don't have yeah. to ever talk to them. I know. <laughs> and we have to talk. I tell that to Elisa. Yeah. You know, we have to, I have to talk to her all the time. Is it bad? No. It's okay? Do you think it's bad? No. It's not bad. All right. Well, that's... <laughs> I mean, it's just annoying. I don't know how people deal with it. I am so aggravated. I am so panicky and anxious all the time. I don't have children. Now I'm, de- you know, I'm going to marry this one. You know, who's younger than me and she wants to have children so I think I'm going to do cute. it but I'm paralyzed with, with I have this wall of anxiety that I'm just but not going to but you know what's so great about having a kid first of all crack addicts have fucking kids no I get that but they don't but, do it necessarily on purpose and what happens to those kids I okay mean, but there's like homeless kids that go to Harvard remember homeless in Harvard there's people who are I know, you I know, know anyone men, can do it I get right. it but the point this is why it would be good for you because you have a child and you can't focus on yourself 24 hours a day. Yeah. And you realize, oh my God, there's someone else who's that depending me on a, me. A, a strike of terror. No, got, but that's what's so great no, 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 about I, it. Because you're, you're done. You're, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm done with myself. I have to I'm say, exhausted of me. Right. It's boring. I'm like, I'm so fucking sick. Every morning I wake up in a panic like, yeah. oh my God, my mother's going to die. I'm going to have no material. I have yeah. no money. I'm going I'm to die. I have cancer. It's like every It's like, shut the fuck up. I know. And then you realize that it's just patterns. Oh yeah. When you, when you, when all of a sudden you think like, oh, I'm starting a new hour, and you're like, no, right. this is just the same emotional right. roller coaster that happened 20 years ago. Right. It's just it's just, it's just getting bigger. Apart. Yeah. Do you, don't you think it's getting worse as you get older? No, I, no? I don't have the energy anymore. Like I don't right. I don't have the energy to argue anymore. Like right. when we get into a fight, literally, I yell and I'm like, I gotta sit down. You know, I'm tired. Right. I can't. I don't. It's, too much. it's ridiculous. And then you hear yourself. Right. As a, a, a 49, 50 year old person. Right. And you're like, this tone is coming out of my mouth. Right. This like emotionally seven year old fucking horrible. Right. Exactly. Thing. And it's embarrassing. Right. It's embarrassing. That's that's the feeling I have. Fortu- unfortunately, I, I like shame. Right. And, uh, you know, shame compels me. Right. You know, like they, that's why we beat ourselves up. I don't right. know. It's something to do with shame. I haven't explored it. Shame. That's what um, my therapist actually recently said. And it was the first therapist that said, yeah. you have to deal 
with your shame and the, uh, like a fucking light bulb went off. I know, but because I, I feel guilty too. But yeah, I feel shame. But I'm trying to figure out what the fuck is that shame? Like it's oh, yeah. a it's a very broad concept. Like right. I don't walk around feeling like uh, ashamed of myself. Right, right. But there's something about insecurity, right, and the idea that you're not good enough, right. and that like and that you're going to be found out. Yeah, yeah. I don't get the. Uh, we're not. We're, you and I are definitely not frauds. I don't get the. Right. Like, I'm a fraud thing much. I don't either. Well, but... if I'm going to be found out, it's just going to be like a you know a guy that should always be crying. Right. And perhaps you know. Right <laughs> in the corner, <laughs> rocking back uh, and or, forth, or, or, or a... the bottom in a, in a in a in an aggressive gay relationship. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to be found out, it's like right. uh, yeah, I should have been sucking cock yeah. twenty years ago. <laughs> it's my big. <laughs> That's the biggest fear I have. Is like I'm gonna yeah. wake up sixty, like I have been missing dick for three <laughs> in my marriages. Ass. Yeah, for yes. three marriages. What? Yeah. How? How did I not? How did I avoid yeah. that? That was buried pretty deep. I should have just let that happen. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, do you you don't have the you suck voice? You're not good enough voice. And well, I do. I do it comparatively. Like the the biggest one I really have. Like even like I've gotten better at it because I think uh you know I've been pretty honest. Like, I feel like I've finally sort of arrived at myself. So when I do things, I'm like, well, if it's if it's authentic to me, I'm OK right, with right, it. Right. But like with comedy, like because of my noodling, like I don't I don't tag things well. Right. And I always think like, you know, why don't I put more work into punchlines? Right. right. Like, why do I just like I feel like I'm, I'm uh, you know, charming my way through as opposed right. to really structuring my shit. Right. But you just said you just said I, I took I majored in English and, yeah. and because I wanted to. No, charm no, my way, yeah. Well, that's I think all comedy is. But right. like if, if there's anything I get down on myself is that I'm too specific, which I fought to do. It's like I don't care. I can't generalize. Like, aren't right. we all? I'm like, no, I do this. Either you laugh at it. Or you feel bad for me right. or whatever you're going to do. Yeah. But I love that. I, that is that's what's so great about you. I, I and I feel like I'm the same way. Yeah, we are. And people say you're too specific. Right. Okay. Well, I'm not going to be fucking general. I'm not a general person. Right. I don't know anybody. I don't fit in with all you fucking right. people. Right. And then if you do be, if you are general, then you look like a moron. Right. You're, you're sitting up there going, "Hey, doesn't everybody wake up and want to die?" Right. And people are like, "What is this? Yeah. Is this company?" <laughs> right. Then there's five people that are like, "I got you," but yeah, I, right. I was afraid to laugh. Right. <laughs> Exactly, because my wife's here and she doesn't yeah, she, know that I want to fucking kill myself. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it's tricky. It is tricky, but I I'd rather be, you know, true to who I am. Right. Or I I couldn't. First of all, the thing, the fact of the matter is, I couldn't live with myself if I did that. Like yeah, yeah. I, it would just kill I, me. I just don't know how to do it because I don't right. like to feel disconnected on stage. Like right. you know, like whenever I have the like, this just happened to me on Thursday night. I was in Buffalo. Hadn't happened because I've been working really hard for a year and I just hit that wall where I'm like, I am tired of these right. jokes. Right. I'm tired of telling this story. Right. And I couldn't, I couldn't autopilot. Right. So I literally stopped in the middle of a bit in front of an audience that goes, I can't. I, I just say I can't. I got. I don't know what what I'm going to do right now, but but we're going to have to just sit here for a minute. <laughs> And, and like, what did they do? Well, there, I have enough fans that are sort of like, well, he's he'll get through this. He's going to work it. They're like, I have a support system. I don't, you know, you know what I mean. Like my fans are sort of like, right, right. Well, he's, he's doing a Marin thing. Right, he's, he's, no, I get it. He's going to wrestle, it. wrestle yeah. with himself. And I wrestled my way out of it, you know, right. in front of them. But that's how I generate new material. Right, I do. I get to that point too, where I'm like, I fucking hate this joke. Well, let's talk specifics about this. Uh, the uh, the the partnering. In the sense of the kids. Who had the right. kids? So, uh, Henry, who's 16, my ex, yeah. had him. Yeah. Uh, and then I adopted him. It was a second parent adoption. Okay. Okay. And that's because of Woody Allen. You know, those second parent adoptions actually came about because of Woody Allen and Mia Farrow because they adopted kids, but uh, but they 
well, first, the, the first one was that, you know, for gays, but they didn't live together. And they. Right. So that's how that second parent adoption came about. She would adopt and then he they would set be a the second. precedent. They set the precedent. And okay. then. um, So we uh, it took about eight or nine months. I had all the paperwork filled out uh, before he was born. Yeah. But, you know, I have to say when we got to the hospital, who are you? What you know? It was very. It was 1996. Trick. It was, and there was one nurse in the hospital, Alice Feely. Yeah. And she had seen. She was a lesbian, and she had seen me perform in Provincetown, and she was a fan. And she she saw me, and she said, "I'm going to take care of you." Gave me a wristband, and she said, "I will make sure." You know, and thank God for her, or I would have been sitting out with the fucking Hasidic husbands who sit there, the wife goes and gives birth, they go, it's a girl, they're like, all right, bye, and they leave. (laughs) I'm not kidding. It's a girl, and they go back to the fucking Borough Park and fuck a prostitute, Yeah, you know? Yeah. In their fucking wool coat. Anyway. In their station wagons. Yeah. So... (laughs) So, uh, so he was adopted, and yeah. then so I had exact same legal rights. All right. So then, five years later, I gave birth, and she never did the paperwork. And when they, when Ben, the little one, was two and a half, and Henry was seven and a half, we split. And she hadn't adopted Ben yet, and it that was sort of a very bad time for us and there was a lot of acrimony and she was like you better let me adopt Ben and I real this was like a major thing because I could have been a big cunt and said you know what fuck you you can't see you ben. left me and you know and I you're not adopting him and but when I looked at the relationship of Henry and Ben I mean they're brothers yeah yeah you can't and see. and you know I, I don't want one to think right you know I'm the son of both of them and the other one to think I'm the son of one of them. I right. wanted them. I wanted them to be brothers. And honestly, they, there's two st- separate sperm donors because we ran out of the sperm for Henry. <laughs> so we had to buy different sperm. So they, genetically there's nothing. Right. But if they are more brothers, like you can't. Sure. All right. So uh, I actually allowed her after we broke up to, adopt him and that was a precedent setting case really in new york uh that i you know allowed her i was a gay person who was not with my partner allowing my ex-partner to adopt him and i think after we were in the judge's chambers and she said to the kids do you understand what's going on here and they said yes and then after it was done henry reached over to ben and hugged him and said now we're now we're full brothers and i thought okay this was totally worth it and it was just beautiful and yeah. then and i'm so happy that they because honestly they go back and forth mm-hmm. and henry's the only consistent thing ben has ever had in his life right you know and he looks out for him and yeah they beat the fucking shit out of each other <laughs> Henry punches the shit out of him. Ben calls him stupid and says, you know, you're a pothead. But <laughs> if, I, you know, I say to, I say to uh, Henry, if you saw someone beating up Ben, what would you do? No fucking way! I'm going to fucking kill, you know, anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, yeah, you, you always yeah. fight. You fight. You know, but, my brother and I fight. you know, that is, you know, I want them to have each other. And they do. That was a beautiful yeah. story. That was that was I think one of the best things I ever did. It was well it was uh it was um 
pretty um, selfless. Right. And, you know, especially as an angry person. I mean, the desire to keep right. that drama going is like. I don't, I didn't want, I just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or just out of spite. Right. I could have been like a yeah, total no, like fuck you, but you know what is that? And what does that show your kids? See, that's why it's going to be good for you because yeah. you're going to have to make decisions not as angry Mark, but as Daddy Mark, and yeah, it's going to be ready. different. Yeah, well, and you're going to be good at I'm it. I'm fortunate that she's young enough to where I'm getting a little daddy experience now. Right, <laughs> but that's more incestual, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. how old is she? Uh, Thirty. All right, 20 years. Uh, you know, what's, what's the worst that can happen is that, you know, uh, the worst that can happen is she leaves me with the kid and, and, and that's the worst. The, the, the other worst thing that can happen is that I'm, I'm too tired and old to... Right. Now, and, do you feel different about this one than the other two? I do, I do. I, I don't think I was really even capable of uh, empathy uh, in the last two. I think it was, you know, we're so self-propelled. Right. You just sort of expect the person you're with to, to accommodate whatever fucking bullshit you're dumping right. out there. Right. And then when they don't, you fight. And then when those kind of fights happen, eventually they're sort of like, I don't think he cares uh, who I am. <laughs> and then they, they get exhausted and right. they go away and try to find themselves. Again. Now, what does she do? She works with autistic kids. Oh my God, I love her. Yeah. So she's perfect for you because you have no emotion. You're just angry all the time and it'll be great. <laughs> well, yeah, at least she works with emotionally abused. Right, there autistic. you go. And I'm like, great. That's perfect. Yeah, That's yeah. like Elisa. Elisa is a therapist. Uh, yeah, right. And I want to fucking kill myself most of the time because not, I, don't, I don't know if this is like uh-huh. for you, but uh-huh. nothing I say is benign yeah, with her. Yeah, right. It's right. a, there, I, there's always some hidden meaning behind something. Well, what I get is a lot of uh, there's like because with autistic kids, so much of it is uh you know is cognitive, right? And it's about you know sort of like you know uh, you know behavioral, right? So what I get a lot of is like, okay, this is what's going. You're doing this now, and I'm like, no, this is not any other right. time. Like, no, this is you're gonna you know arc. You're gonna yell, and then you're gonna apologize or whatever. This right. is what's happening. I'm like, I'm not that predictable, and then you realize, oh fuck, I, I, <laughs> I am know, that predictable. Yeah, it's not like we don't do a lot of analysis. We do a lot of like you know use your words, right, right, like, right. Fucking shit, fuck. <laughs> use your words. Right. I, I'm sorry. I'm good. <laughs> But the best one was we were watching, Elisa and I were watching um, the Olympics. It was the Federer. Um, what was it? It was Federer and uh, who would the. Uh, Andy Murray. And Andy Murray. Yeah. It was the London Olympics. Yeah. And it was a really long. Do you watch tennis or no? no. All right. So it was a really long match. Yeah. And then everyone wanted Andy Murray to win because he's a Brit and it was, you know, the first time in 100 years. So he wins. And he drops to his knees and he kisses the ground and and then he takes off his sweatband and yeah. he throws the sweatband to the to crowd. the crowd. Who yeah. the fuck wants your disgusting? I mean, that is the most. What are you gonna do with that? I'm gonna do that after my shows. I'm gonna pull out my tampon and be like, "Hey, good night, everybody." <laughs> eBay. But, yeah, like I Judy even... Gold tampon. Who's gonna <laughs> bid on that first? Well, like what I... do we got? <laughs> like I still get my period anyway. But um, <laughs> so anyway, so yeah. so Andy Murray. Yeah wins and he's you know how they they run to the stands to go greet whoever yeah. so he's running up the stands and i'm not making this up and elisa says to me so who do you think he's gonna kiss first his mother or his girlfriend and i said i don't know probably his mother and she goes oh you want to know why you're saying you said that i'm like yeah 
Because that's who you would kiss, Judy. You would leave me standing there in front of millions of people. You go and run and kiss your mother. Oh, mommy. Oh, I, please love me. People used to be proud of me. Oh, I love you, mommy. I swear to God. And then he goes and kisses his girlfriend because he's not Jewish. And then I had to listen to that fucking shit. I mean, I couldn't even. I'm like, I really. It's like she surprises me because I think she's just asking me right. a question. Innocent question. But it's all like. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm, see? Yeah, yeah. Nothing better Ugh. than uh, being with a therapist who, yeah. who uses the, 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 the craft of therapy as a, an arsenal. Yeah, to... it's great. <laughs> it's great. I've got everybody figured out. Right, and right. Now they will do my bidding. Yes, exactly. No, it's good. It's good. Yeah. And I feel bad that she doesn't have a mic because I'm saying things and she's right there. And I think she's cute. She seems very happy. Everybody seems very she's happy. She's a good, she's good. She's just my life. All right. So I met Elisa. I was 44. I. Like uh, you, this is the right rela- relationship. Like I feel like I'm finally old enough, and well, I, I know what's weird is that, like, and I've noticed this. I don't know if maybe you guys can help me out. Is that like I feel like on some level I do deserve to be punished for my past behavior, right? And and and, and, and I, maybe that's part of the shame thing. But I don't think I was a good man, you know, with the other two, right? And and for very specific reasons that were selfish. And this one will, you know, call me out on that shit and does not tolerate much. Right. And you know, as a childish person, you know, you want to stomp and yell, but right. yet, but if you just sit with the the pain of of like, well, you know, this is a, a two way street right, and she's right. a person and you know, not just there to, you know, coddle me. Like I'm learning a lot. And the other thing is it's like we'll be in the house. Yeah. I live in this fucking tiny apartment in New York and like something will happen with the kids. And then I get, can you come here for a minute, please? Yeah. What are you doing? What What are you doing? What are you saying to them? <laughs> Do you understand that you're engaging? I'm like, shut the fuck up! <laughs> I'm a bad parent. Let me just be a fucking bad parent. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's it's annoying. So do you get in in terms of like um, being out and being vocal? I, right. I mean. Do you feel that, it, like, what's gone on with the with the, the Supreme Court? I mean, are you active constantly? I've or? been uh, an activist. I really have been in marriage equality and anti-bullying and all that. You know, I've been pretty out and, uh, you know, yes. And I've done as much, a lot of work for yeah. marriage equality. And, I, you know, when Prop 8 actually passed, my kids and I went down to the uh columbus circle they had right by Uh the mormon temple with my friend bob smith he wrote up these signs that we carried and uh so ben little ben was carrying a sign that said my two moms can beat up your 14 wives (laughs) (laughs) and because it was the fucking mormons that you know spent i I mean fucking whatever who gives a shit so uh, you know we have been I have been an activist for gay marriage, and I do think this, and I have actually, Edie Windsor, who is the plaintiff, I have been talking about her in my act for about five years. And I, she came to my show, and she saw herself on the screen and everything, and so we spoke, and she's, I spent the afternoon with her. She's the most incredible person. And then we just saw her at another event in New York, her and Roberta Kaplan, her lawyer, mm-hmm. and Roberta was telling us what it was like to stand in front of the Supreme Court. It was amazing. And Edie Windsor is so such a classy, you know, and it's just, it's so incredible. But, you know, look, thank you to the federal government. Scalia should be fucking ashamed of himself. Thomas should be ashamed of himself. And if you look at at, at what they said, like Scalia's is all about sodomy. Yeah. We knew once the sodomy laws passed, it was, fuck, it's, why is it always about sex? He, as Elisa said, you know, Scalia needs Thomas to stick his big black dick in his ass and get <laughs> sodomized by him. Anyway, and then you look at Justice Kennedy, who 
basically said it's about the children and their families need to be treated equally. But there's 38 states, well, 37 now with California, that don't have gay marriage. So what happens when you are gay, you have federal benefits, you're settled somewhere, and you get transferred, you know, to Texas? Right. All of a sudden, you have no benefits. Your right. family has no be- well, that, health insurance. But no. what they passed the other day, that stops that, right? No. It's, it's only still a federal. The federal benefits are only for the states that have passed gay marriage. So it only works in states that have passed Those gay. are smart states because, uh, you know, to have uh, people flocking, to have gay right. people, gay families flocking right. with two incomes per household, that's a. Uh, well, the best part is. California is the most populous state, and they're so thirty percent mm. now of people. That's thirty percent of the entire population is now entitled to those federal benefits. So it kind of increases. Yeah. It, but it's fucking ridiculous. No one wants to get married in your stupid fucking church. How does me? How do Elisa and I and our kids? affect your stupid fucking christian life like yeah. what is it what is i live down the street i'm minding my own business fuck you yeah no. all those people are fucking gay anyone who says it's a choice has made the choice that's what i <laughs> i've decided what the fuck are you picking on us for you yeah, know yeah 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 Ugh, it's just ridiculous it is and chris christie yeah blasting this fuck you what if obese people couldn't get married <laughs> oh it just pisses me off but yeah, so I'm happy about it, but I still I think it's a move a step forward, but you look, there's still 38 states. Uh, well, 37, sorry. Yeah, it's it's just ridiculous. I, I mean, when you really think about it. I just I I mean, I feel the same way. I just don't get it. I mean, why are people even thinking about it? Why, right. Like, I mean, what it the, the future will be a better place if people can be comfortable right. and 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 actually have a shot at happiness and not feel right. ashamed of themselves. It just right. becomes all sexual. Like when you think about it, honestly, if you break it down, which I have said in my act, Jerry Sandusky has more benefits than me because he is married to a woman and he has 1,128 rights. Like they have all protections under the law. Eric Menendez got married in jail. He has more benefits than than me. It's a criminal. It's it's beyond. Yeah. So this this show that you're doing now, what, what are you hoping for? You know, I really, it's, you know, I love doing the show, but honestly, I would love to get, a show. a show out of it. Well, maybe like now because uh, you know the the cultural tides seem to be shifting, Ch- right? And even like in the last ten years with with gay the, the representation of gay relationships right. on TV, even that still felt a little boutiquey. But now, right? I mean, maybe but it's now, time. Maybe like it's time. My, my goal has always been to do an All in the Family and Everybody Loves Raymond, right. a, a, a sit or where the family is gay, and yeah. then you watch it and you go, you don't think about it. I, I, I have the same exact yeah, issues. This right. is just a funny family. Right. You know, it's it's the only family that has not been represented. Like, I I interviewed George Lopez a few weeks ago at the 92nd Street Y. Yeah. Really? And, what yeah. Was, how was that gig? It was, I do the, can I interview you there? That would be awesome. Yeah. Have you, you been interviewed to. yet? For the 92nd Street Y? Yeah. No. Oh, my God. They would love, I'm pitching. Pitch it. All right. They love you. Anyway. So I do these this funny people uh, thing. You know, I've interviewed yeah. Whoopi mm-hmm. and all right. Anyway, so Lewis Black. It's it's really been fun and joy. And so I'm interviewing George, and you know, I I'm wondering how is this going to be. You know, I read everyone's books before mm-hmm. I do it. I'm not one of these interviewers. It's like oh, and you're like fuck you. You didn't even read my book. Yeah. But uh, I said to him, which was really interesting, and what was great about the interview was he also acknowledged that his biggest regret was 
his you know marriage breaking up and that he lied. He said, I'm not going to lie anymore. I have lied my whole life and I'm now not lying anymore. And it, it was pretty intense. And then I said, to, and you know, he was the first Latino family on television. And I said to him, you know, George, I my kids are from lesbian parent Jewish lesbian parents on the Upper West Side and were addicted to your show, you know? Yeah. And it had nothing to do with that they were a Latino sure. family. It was a family. Right. And it was, you know, yeah. and that is my point. You know, just give me a shot. I ha- My life is a perfect recipe for that kind of show. I mean, and it's funny that it's such a traditional genre, and yet it's not, it, and uh, this family is, quote unquote, non-traditional. But when you really see it, it's right. a, it's a, it's funny. And are people, have you taken meetings about it? Not yet. I'm hoping that you do. I mean, we have in the past, but yeah, I, okay. I'm starting. Well, I love you. It's nice talking to you. Oh my God. I love you so much. I've seen your penis. Remember you showed me your penis? Oh my God. What, what, it was at a club, right? Yeah, you were. I don't know what you were doing. I think you were going to the bathroom, well, and it was but like. But now out. that I know about Philip, it, I feel ashamed. No, yours. I like yours better. All right, good. It was too big. The other one. What well, now? That kind of you give it and you take it away a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you like mine better because it was smaller. And it's more bitter and miserable. All right. Thanks. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. All right. Bye. How wonderful was that? The territory we covered, me and the lovely Judy Gold. Go see her show at the Geffen Playhouse through uh, August 18th. Come see me in Montreal. and You have a lot of opportunities to see me in Montreal. We got a live WTF. We have several stand-up sets. We have a solo uh, headlining stand-up set. Go see me. Come see me. I'm me. In Chicago at the Main Stage Theater next week. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Get a little merch. Leave a comment. See who's been on the show. Get the app. Got new T-shirts coming. Things going on. Next week's show is very exciting. Uh, the uh, the amazing John Cale. What a historic dude that dude is in the music world. I'll probably be doing the intro for you from Montreal. Just to give you a taste of that. All right? Are we good? I got a pack. All right. Boomer lives! <laughs>